Hi, everybody. My name is Judith. I am an alcoholic. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank Ralph for inviting me. Uh, what a privilege it is to participate in anything uh, and, and to just be with you today. I actually believe I got I, I was at the very first live um, conference way back when, and it was mind-blowing. And I've always wanted to come back. I just haven't been able to. So maybe one day I'll be able to come back in, in person and, and sit and just soak it all up. It was a wonderful experience. If you haven't been, I encourage all of you to get that information and go. It's, it was one of my favorite conferences I've, I've been to. Um, so two thumbs up, highly recommended. Thank you also for everyone that's behind the scenes and uh, working to make this happen. I know there's a lot of moving pieces, and I really appreciate your service uh, all day long. I've enjoyed it. I was here uh, at the beginning uh, listening, and um, wow, I just feel like I am so filled up already that we could just skip the rest, um, but apparently there's more to come. Um and that's what I'm here for. Uh, my sobriety date is January the 19th, 2009. And so I just celebrated 14 years. I'm the baby of the group. I feel like I'm a toddler. I don't know why I'm here. I'm just learning today. And, uh, so, and apparently I, I get, I get to share, uh, some of my experience with you all as well. I have a, a sponsor. I think this is very important to mention that, that I do have a sponsor and I, uh, my sponsor knows they're my sponsor. Uh, I use my sponsor, uh, painfully so. Um, and my sponsor took me through the steps, but <clears throat> has continued to lead and guide me in the spiritual principles of this program, returns me over and over and over back to the program uh, because it's one thing for me to be physically sober, uh, which I do not like. Um, and what I mean by that is simply being physically sober without any recovery is a hell beyond any I have lived. I tried it. And uh, after 11 and a half months of just being physically sober with no program of recovery whatsoever, I was sitting in um, a parking lot in my car with a loaded pistol and I was going to take my life. My And I went to an AA meeting every single day during that 11 and a half months, uh, thinking that uh, I was doing AA, that meetings were AA. And uh, I, I wasn't in AA. I was watching all of you be in AA. And it wasn't until I hit that that second, I would say, a spiritual bottom that I became willing to get a sponsor and finally go through the steps. And that's where my um, life started to transform. So it's really important for me to mention that uh, if you don't have a sponsor, trust me, it's so much better with a sponsor who takes you through the steps and, and guides. My sponsor guides me by example. Um, I get to follow someone who has been there. I want to know not only how to be physically sober, but how to be happy. Because those, you know, if I'm just physically sober, I'm not happy if I don't have something, a, a, a substitute for that alcohol that, and thankfully I learned in AA that we do have a substitute, but, it, and it's vastly superior. Uh, and so that, that is what's transformed my life. 
And I, um, I think that's very important. And so today I protect my sobriety date. I, I protect that date is more important than any other date in my life. And I do something every day to protect it. Doesn't mean I'm in a meeting every day, but I'm smack dab in the middle of Alcoholics Anonymous, working with others and being of service and living life to the fullest, um, within the spiritual principles of the program. So I don't have much to, um, I don't have time to tell you like, uh, my drinking and all of that, but just trust me, I am, uh, an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. I am a chronic, hopeless, powerless alcoholic. And it took me to some really, really dark places. Uh, mostly internally, I would say I describe it as having leprosy of the spirit. It was just, uh, it was just dark and twisted and rotting inside. And, um, and that's the condition I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. I was, um, a ball of rage, angry, um, resentful fearful though I didn't know it um and just a whole host of I was a bundle of character defects and and mostly the root of my problem was selfishness and self-centeredness although you couldn't have convinced me that that was my problem I was convinced that everyone else was my problem and I had never done anything like what was being asked of me in these steps these are absolutely transforming, amazing, um, incredible. It's a design for living, a design for living. And my sponsor said, hold on to your ass. Sorry, I don't mean to offend anyone. Hold on to your ass because you're in for a ride. And I found that that was so very true. So, <sighs> That's that's me in a nutshell. Um, now, Ralph gave me five, six, and seven, and I have an hour. This is an order. I don't know what he was thinking um, because I can talk about each one of these steps for an hour. Uh, each one of these steps are so amazing to me. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to try and do you know, five in, in, in half the time and six and seven in half of the time. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I don't know, but, um, I, I love the setup so far. Uh, Ralph was right. Everybody, um, Amy and, and Leslie set it up perfectly. And everyone before that is just, you know, um, it, it's great. And I'm not going to review, uh, any, anything like that. There's nothing I can add. I'm just going to talk about how my personal experience in going through the fifth step. And I'm actually going to use to explain how my sponsor did this with me. I'm going to use the book a lot. Um, if you have it and I'll give page numbers or whatever and you can follow along, but here's my problem. My sponsor had to hold my hand through this process because I was so delusional. I wasn't in denial. I was delusional. I had never seen these things and I don't know why. I was raised, uh, with a lot of, um, religion and, um, 
theology and church and all of that, a lot of head knowledge, I don't know, but it never penetrated anywhere inside of me. And, uh, and, and so all, starting with step one, it's like mind blowing. I was one of those people that, that <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, the light's starting to come on and I'm starting to say, Oh man, they all out there need what we have in here. And, uh, I love it when, uh, the first time I, I heard Kent, um, I remember him saying, you know, these are ancient spiritual principles. Where do you think we got them? And, uh, but I was so arrogant. I'm trying to tell my family, you all need this too. And I was the one that burnt my life to the ground, not them, but I, now I'm telling them what they need to do. But anyway, so these were just, Absolutely. When I really got into them and I did them with all the desperation of someone that was dying drunk or sober, like I said, 11 and a half months being physically sober, zero program and alcohol, untreated alcoholism took me to the gates of insanity and death. And I was sitting there with a gun going to kill myself. Um, so I went into these uh, with the desperation of the dying uh, realizing, yeah, my way didn't work so well. I can't just attend meetings because I was dying in the middle of the meetings. Um, so here's, here's the thing real quick. I'm never going to get done, Ralph. I'm sorry. Oh, man. So, uh, I, um, I was sure that the fifth step was where I was going to leave Alcoholics Anonymous. And it wasn't because I was so afraid of telling somebody uh, what I had done or, or what had been done to me. I was more than willing to share all my resentments. You better believe it. It's like, let me unroll the list, you know, all the way. And I, I was very, very, very enthusiastic about sharing column one and column two. That was what I've been doing my whole life. And, um, but I was sure I was going to leave Alcoholics Anonymous because I had been listening to things in the rooms that, uh, thankfully are not in the book. And, uh, one of those things that I, and I don't mean, um, no, let me put it this way. If I offend someone today, uh, great. That means you're listening. So kudos. But, uh, number two, um, yeah, it's just my experience. And you can talk to your sponsor about it, <laughs> but I can just tell you how I, how I am and what I have done. So I, uh, I heard people in the meetings talk about the fifth step and how we have to look at our part. And I was livid, livid because I grew up with a violent father. And then I grew up in Australia and it's very common in Australia to be sent away to boarding school. And from 13 on, I was sent away to boarding school and it was a religious boarding school. Not that that matters. It doesn't, this isn't an exclusive to, uh, religious, um, facilities. Um, but what happened to me was from 16 to 17 and a half, I was sexually um, molested by a staff member. Um, and that was my first introduction. I was kind of, you know, late bloomer or whatever. And I was, um, just turned, just turned 16. And, and I woke up one night, um, to a man's hand over my mouth crawling in on top of me. And I'm hearing in the rooms, I need to look for my part. And so, um, 
I was waiting for my fifth step. Um, I want to just assure you that it does not use that word in the big book and in the step. And I think it's very, very dangerous to keep repeating something that's not. Now, maybe you think it's semantics, but if you have sponsees or people like me who had a violent father and I'm a child, I, I don't have a part. And if you're a child or an adult and someone puts your hand, their hands on you and um, I didn't have a part. And so I was ready for my sponsor. I wanted the justification of saying, uh, you all are full of it and you're insane. And I was going to march out and slam the door with effect and go back to drinking. I was pretty sure that this was the time where I was going to part ways with Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank goodness that my sponsor really, really stuck to the book with me. And, um, and I'm very blessed for that. So what, what he did is, uh, we, I came to him. Um, I have a male sponsor where I got sober. There was no female sponsors taking anyone through the steps. Um, he didn't want to. His sponsor told him someone has to. Uh, I was dying. And so he got a point. I didn't pick my sponsor. It was appointed to me. And, uh, and, and so we went to work and, and I went over to his house and with my list and, and really it was incomplete. I had, um, uh, I've been taught that we have four columns in our resentment. I couldn't do my fourth and I'll get to that in a moment. Um, but I, he said, give me your list. I didn't get to read it, uh, to him or anything. He took it and then asked me some questions and clarification. And then afterwards he, he, he almost like has the book memorized, but I found it later. Oh my God, he's following a script. This is, you know, when it, it occurred to me, you know, it's like, wow, this was exactly, you know, he just really what he did was he marched me through really what I was supposed to do in the first place, but I was unable to do it. So he started on page 65 at the very, very bottom. And uh, he's uh, it's when we were finished, we considered it carefully. And that's what he did when he took it. Um, and I have a little number one there because I just love watching for patterns in the big book. This is the first time that they're turning me back to the completed list. And uh, so we, he, we, we considered it carefully. He went through it, asked me some questions and stuff like that. And then the very next sentence that goes on to the next page, 66, he said, it says, and, and he didn't read it. He just said it. You know, like I said, it's like, oh, he, I don't know, he memorized it or something. And he says, he said to me, Judith, the first thing apparent to me, you know, on the top of page 66, the first thing that's apparent to me is that this world and these people on this list were quite wrong. Took all the wind out of my sails because I was waiting for him to say, okay, now let's look at your part. And I was, I was just waiting, coiled and ready to strike, you know, um, just to blow up. But he took all the wind out of my sails. And you know what? For the, I'm so glad that line is in the big book for people like me that have experienced some, um, significant, uh, trauma, childhood, violence, whatever. Um, I've been yelling that I've been drinking about this for years. Now, I don't drink because it happened, but I love to use it as a justification to drink. And if you called me on my drinking, I would trot this out and say, yeah, well, if you had this and this and this, you know, why, you know, you're just unsympathetic. Look at what happened to me. Look what happened to me in boarding school and look all this stuff. And I had been trying to trot this out for years. 
But he just really calmly said, Judith, it is so apparent to me. There's real pain here. And it's apparent to me that this world and the people on this list were quite wrong. And then he looked at me and he said, and I, and this is a second sentence, but he put it in his own words. The second sentence in the book, it says to conclude that others were wrong is as far as most of us ever got. And he said, Judith, you have every right to be angry. No one had said that to me. Everyone said, move on, get over it. I don't know what people said. I just wasn't, but you know, just stuff. And he says, Judith, you have every right to be angry. And then he looked at me and he said, but my question to you is, do you want to stay angry? Do you want to live the rest of your life angry? Because to conclude that I knew I had been wronged, I knew that these people were wrong, uh, but that and that's as far as I got. And so I did stay angry. I knew I had every right to be angry, and so I was. I was just angry. So he went on, and uh, and I don't have time to to go through it exactly like he went, but um, he talked about we got to get rid of this resentment, and we need help. We've got to, or it's going to kill you. First, it's going to kill you spiritually, and if you die spiritually, or you go back asleep spiritually, the insanity of alcohol is going to return. You're going to pick up, and then you're going to die physically, whether by your own hand or slowly by alcohol. Um, so then we went down, then, then, uh, the, uh, second last paragraph of the 66, it says we turn back to the list. So I put a little number two there. Second time they're taking me back to this list. The second time my sponsor took me back to the list and he looked at this list and he goes, this is going to hold the key to your future. And I'm thinking, how the heck is that piece of crap going to hold the key to my future? I don't get this. You guys are crazy. Um, you know, don't know. And then, and then the next line says we were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. And he didn't say that. He didn't read it to me, but he, he, well, he did say, he goes, are you prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle? And of course, I know what the right answer is. We all know what the right answer is, what they want to hear. And so I said, yes, I'm willing to look at it from an entirely different angle. Then he made me think and he said, okay, what angle? And that took me back. I'm like, uh, 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 I don't know, you know, and he goes, well, he says, there's really no wrong answer here other than not your angle. How about any, you can pick any angle. You can pick my angle. You can pick other people's angles. You can take, you, you know, God's angle, spiritual principle angle, whatever, just not your angle, because that's the angle that's been destroying you. And so I said, all right, fine, I'll look at it from your angle, because I was really, really kind of ticked off at God's. So um, so we did that. And um, and he said, do you see that this world and these people, these people are still dominating you? You haven't left. You haven't lived at home since you're 17. And when I was doing this, I was 45. And he said, you're 45 right now. And your father dominates you. Everything you do is to prove to him that you're somebody. You're trying to get him to say that he loves you or is proud of you. You're trying to get him to, to admit he was wrong and to say he's sorry. And everything, how you react to him, how you respond to him, how you react to men, how you react to women, how you react to everything. Anything bad goes in, in your life and you blame him. Well, if he would have done this or if he would have done not done that, you know, everything. 
you haven't lived at home. You don't even live on the same continent. He was back in Australia. You don't even live on the same continent. And he dictates everything you do. I wasn't willing to admit that. I mean, but it took me back to a surprise and I started to see the truth of it. And, um, and then also the, the, um, the, the guy that sexually abused me. I'm just using those two as the example because it was number one, two on my list. So actually it was God, my dad, they were even, and then this guy. So I'm just going with the major ones on my resentment list. And, uh, and he said that, that ended, uh, at, at 17 and a half ish. Uh, but it still dominates you. You haven't had, uh, you've destroyed two marriages, multiple other relationships. You act out sexually all the time. You're desperate for somebody to really love you. You're desperate for a really, uh, intimate and safe relationship. And yet you can't, um, you know, seem to, to get it. And, and you despise women. See, I despise women because, um, Women, uh, I didn't want to be like a woman. I didn't want to be hurt again. I didn't want to be, uh, vulnerable. And, uh, and so I, I said, I, it was twisted in my mind and I thought I'm going to be just like a man. And in my delusion, I thought no men care and no men just, you know, are dogs. And that's who I'm going to be. I'm going to have the power. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm not going to have any strings attached. I am just going to use men and uh and discard them i'm going to be like a man now i my apologies to all you men because i know that there's really good men out there but this is what i thought and that's how i conducted myself and um and 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 that's and i wonder why i can't be happy now more is going to come out in the sex ideal but he was talking about um that this person was dominating me still and all my relationships with women despised them and used men um so we had to master it and then uh and then he said this is this is going to be our course and this comes from the bottom of page 66 he goes this is what we're going to do this is our course uh we're going to realize that the people in column one are sick spiritually and 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 he said look over column one is there anyone on your column one that you would classify as being spiritually well and I looked through that list and I was like, mm, yeah, no. There's no one on my column one that's spiritually well. And he's like, okay. So they're, they're spiritually sick. All right. And then on the top of page 67, he says, uh, it's though we don't like their symptoms. And he told me, he says, look at column two. Those are symptoms of an illness. And then it says, and the way these disturbed us, column three. And uh, COVID wasn't around at that point in time, but he just, he used the, the, a flu, you know, the flu. I'm going to use COVID. I'm not making a political statement or anything, all right? But what I'm just saying is, so if you just imagine this, it's like COVID, put column uh, COVID in column one, okay? That's an illness. We're just talking about illnesses. That's illness. Column two, what are the symptoms of COVID? Well, fever, you can't taste, you can't. Uh, smell, you can't breathe, uh, you ache, you got fever and you may die. Those are symptoms of COVID. How did this affect me? How does COVID affect me? Well, I can't travel, got to wear a mask. 
uh, can't see you, can't get together, uh, employment, finances, all these things. That's how it affects me. And I may lose someone I love. They may die. That's how it affects me. So I look at column two and it's like, are, is the symptoms of COVID personal towards Judith? No. I was just standing too close and the little COVID germs came and fell on me and they fall on anyone who's in the direct vicinity of that. So looking at my column one, it's these people have a spiritual illness and their little spiritual germs are just falling and on anyone that seems to be in close vicinity. If it wasn't me, it would have been someone else. It's got nothing to do with me. It's the symptoms of their illness. It's their spiritual germs. And I didn't have a spiritual mask, you know, to put on. So I started seeing, oh, okay, that's a different point of view. That's a different, uh, you, you know, from an entirely different angle. That it's spiritual germs floating, falling on me. And yes, it affects me in ways that I do not like. So um, I got to see that. Moving on, um, on page 67, down two paragraphs, it says, referring to our list again, this is the third time, I got a little three there, third time these people are taking me back to uh, the list. And then it says, and this is where the um, the whole my part thing, this is where I was thinking, it doesn't say that. It says, putting out of my mind, the wrongs others had done, I resolutely looked for my own mistakes. And, and so my sponsor said, we're going to look at your mistakes. And still I was bristling. I was like, I didn't, I, as a child, I didn't make any mistake. Not that I didn't make any mistakes, but in this, these, I don't, I didn't make a mistake to have my dad be violent. I didn't make a mistake that I was sexually uh, uh, abused at boarding school. I didn't make a mistake. And, and, and my sponsor was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to look at the event. We're not going to look at the event. We're going to look at your mistakes right here today. What are the mistakes that are blocking you? Not in the event, but the mistakes that are blocking you from happiness, that are blocking you from what you've always wanted. And, 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 and that is peace, freedom, happiness, a nice relationship, whatever. And, uh, and I was like, Oh, all right. Well, what are my mistakes today? I don't see them. And that's why I said I came with an incomplete. Uh, I couldn't do my step four on most of these. I just couldn't because I'm like, I didn't make a mistake. I don't understand how I'm being dishonest, selfish, self-seeking and frightened in, in, in regards to what these people, these two people did. I don't get it. And so then, um, my sponsor had this sheet and, and I, I believe it was, um, if I have it right, it was, um, these definitions of those four mistakes was printed in the grapevine. And, uh, and so he pulled out this sheet and I'm just going to really quick run it in case it's useful for anyone else, but it has the four mistakes, selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and afraid. And, um, and just touching on, on I'll just do dishonest. Um, where was I dishonest with the, the, uh, in, you know, the mistake of dishonesty regarding, uh, the guy that sexually molested me, um, for a year and a half. Well, one of my mistakes was dishonesty. And that would be that, um, I, uh, 
I pretended I was something I was, I am not today, not in the event, but today. And what would that be? I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. You can't hurt me. That didn't hurt me. I'm not one of those victims. I'm not going to be whining. I'm not a victim of sexual molest. I am not a victim. I am not. I wasn't hurt. It did not affect me. That's dishonesty. I was pretending to be something I was not. Where did I delude myself? I can handle this without any professional therapy or treatment or telling a soul. I can handle this today. I don't need to go see uh, a counselor. I don't need to get trauma therapy. I don't need any of that. I'm I'm extraordinarily above human feelings or something. I don't know what I am, but I'm deluded, right? I'm deluded. This didn't affect me. Didn't affect me, and yet my behavior shows otherwise, right? So I was dishonest. Um, and uh, oh, it just goes on and on. But selfish, it's like, where did I want and or expect a person to, to be other than what they are? You know, every relationship, hello? My mistakes today, not in the event. But because of that, I, I kept perpetrating. I'd love to go over the definitions, but I don't have time. Um, and it's Ralph's fault, so you can blame him. Um, so, um, so I went through these mistakes and we went through the definitions and it really, really helped me. Where was I afraid? Afraid of not getting something I wanted or, or needed. I, I never, I was afraid I was never going to get a father. I was afraid that, you know, I see everybody being daddy's girl and the relationship and I couldn't even be in the same room as him. I didn't want him, you know, to walk me down the aisle. God forbid he touched me. I just despised and loathed him. And I'm afraid, you know, I want, I want, I want and or expect him to be other than what he is, what he's capable of. He was raised in Australia. He was raised in a very hard lifestyle. He was incapable of emotional connection and, 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 and those sort of things. And, and he was raised very harshly. And yet I wanted Pa from the little house in the prairie. That's who I wanted. Charles Ingalls. My dad needs to be that way, you know, and I'm not okay unless he changes. And through all of this, and, and I'm skipping vast amounts of stuff, but through all of this, my sponsor with my dad specifically, my dad, uh, he, uh, my sponsor said, stop focusing on what kind of father he is because that keeps you in bondage and switch it and start focusing on what kind of daughter you are today. And I had to do that. Um, all right. Um, so it says, uh, as when we saw our faults, we listed them. I'm on page 67. And so my sponsor helped me finish my fourth column. And it was painful because this was the first time I actually got to see how I was operating in life. How, how, um, I was showing up, not back then. I wasn't dealing with the events, but how I was showing up today. And it wasn't a pretty picture. And this was the very first time I had taken responsibility for what my life was that day on that day. And it was in, uh, December of 2009. And I'm 45 years old. And it's the first time that I'm like, 
Oh. Bad news is it's me. Good news is it's me and I can do something about it with my higher powers help. And so then um, after that, it said, uh, you know, we placed them before us in black and white. So we filled that out. And then it says we admitted our wrongs honestly and we're willing to set these matters straight. And, uh, and so my sponsor's like, are you admitting this honestly? Is this, is this your, for, is this your mistakes? And do you see them? I'm like, yeah, I did. And then am, am I willing to make these matters straight? And he goes, we're not talking about the nine step. Not yet. We're not even there, but are you willing to make these matters straight today? And I'm like, well, I don't know how. And the first thing was is, well, perhaps you can forgive. Now, forgiving doesn't mean participation. It doesn't mean I need to participate with that fa- person, but I need to be free. And I need to recognize column one, spiritually sick person. Column two has nothing to do with me. They're germs, spiritually, uh, they're, they're the illness, spiritual illness germs that floated and I was there. And I got, I got, uh, germs on me. That made sense to me. That was a new perspective for me. And, and I could deal with that. So I needed to forgive them. And then, um, and my sponsor directed me to the prayer on the top of page 67, which is really for us, not the other person. It's, uh, help me realize my father or this man, uh, is a very spiritually ill person. So this is a new idea that's planted. Oh, they're not just jerks. I'm trying to clean up my language. They're not just jerks. They're spiritually ill. That's a new idea that the AA has given me. And then it says, um, when they offend, we say, oh, wait, no, sorry. How the second sentence of the prayer is, how can I be helpful to that person? That's a new approach. This is all for me. And it's like, well, one of the approaches is, is I could forgive, um, you know, things like that. And, uh, God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. And so I pray, you know, and those, that is a prayer that I've prayed a lot. Um, with my sex ideal, uh, my sex inventory, I love this. It was life transforming for me because of the sexual abuse in my background. Um, I heard all over the place that uh, your sex inventory is to list all the people that uh, y- you slept with. Well, when I can, and that's what I brought to my sponsor, just the people, you know, but then my sponsor explained what I was really supposed to be doing because I apparently didn't listen the first time. It says on page 69, we reviewed our own conduct. My own conduct. It's got nothing to do with who I'm sleeping with, but my own conduct as it revolves around, uh, sexuality, my sexuality. All right. And then it has a list of questions. Where have I been selfish? And I was supposed to pause and let names start flowing in and write them down. And then I'd go on dishonest, pause, let names flow in. So I'm just looking at my conduct around my sexuality. Where had I been inconsiderate to others sexually? Not the, just the act, but in all the areas um, of, of sexuality. Whom did I hurt? Pause, write more names. Who did I unjustifiably arouse? Jealousy, pause, write more names. Suspicion, pause, write more names. Bitterness, pause, write more names. Now, I happen to be heterosexual, but on my inventory, it wasn't just people I had slept with, but I saw there was women's names on there. 
because my own conduct was I was disgraceful in my treatment to women. I would discard them. I would ignore them. I would take what is theirs. I would flirt with their partners. I would rob them of uh, the affection that was due to them. I would, the attention, the affection, uh, resources, whatnot. Um, there was even children, on, and I don't know their names. I don't even know who their names are, but there was many times I was the other woman because you see, I'm, I'm acting like I don't care and I'll be the other woman all the time because then I don't have to be responsible for a real relationship where you can intimately know somebody in and out. I can be a great girlfriend for a couple hours. Yeah. And then you just go away <laughs> because I can't keep up the good behavior, you know, and I always have to have about two or three going at once because, you know, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. And you're supposed to fill me this big hole inside of me. Um, so, uh, you know, I robbed children. There were bitterness in the home because of me. There was fighting now. Mom and dad are fighting and, and I'm robbing them of their father's attention because he's checking his phone all the time. I'm, uh, you know, all this suspicion and bitterness and all of that. So there was, and so then my second column, I had to do what I should have done instead. And it was supposed to be very, very practical. Um, cause it says, what should we have done instead? And I had to write things down like, well, I should, uh, not go out with the married guy for happy hour, just one-on-one. I should not use my sexuality or my flirty or my feminine whatever to, to lead someone on. And I don't even want them, but I want them to do my work at work because I'm too lazy. So I'm going to flirt with you and let you think you have a chance, uh, just so you do my work. You know, things like that. Um, so I'm writing all these things that what I should do instead. And then I, we, my sponsor, we got together and we took that horrible list of what, what I should have done instead in all these situations, all the situations, like keep your hand. I should, I, sh- I should keep my hands off of people in relationships, you know, or I should not use men, uh, as my t- playthings you know, because to try and fill me, I should all these things. And that column was really horrible. But then my sponsor helped me in my fifth step, flip it to my ideal. And my ideal is not who I want next time or the relationship I want next time. Because it says in the book on page 67, is that it's my ideal, and I need to be willing to grow towards it. I'm growing. And besides, the inventory was my conduct. So I need to get rid of that conduct. And I need to set a bar. And I want a high bar because I want happiness and I want a really good relationship, but it's got to be something I can grow towards. So it, um, my sex ideal, uh, I took all those yucky things and I flipped them to the positive with my sponsor's help. And how it came out was, um, things like this, this is my sex ideal and I keep it in my big book because I have to get it out and review it often. I tell all my sponsees, you keep it close because you gotta, we want to grow towards it. So some of the things in my sex ideal is I will reserve all forms. And that means flirting and everything else, all forms of sex to be between myself and my partner. I will support, encourage, and promote other women. I will remember at all times I'm in a relationship and act like it. 
when I'm drinking, I forget things like I'm married or I'm in a relationship. I don't know. So I had to have that. I need to grow towards remembering I'm in a relationship and I need to act like it. Uh, I will conduct myself in conversation and action as a woman in recovery who lives a spiritual program. Uh, I will respect all relationship boundaries. I will communicate with men at appropriate times and have a legitimate reason for doing so. I will view men as God's kids and not my playthings to stroke my ego. I will seek as well as protect and nurture intimacy, both physically and emotional within my relationship. I will be a safe person, trustworthy and honest in my relationships because I was not safe when I first came to AA. Not to the men in the room, unfortunately. So I had to put that on there. I will spend as, and this is very, this is becoming very important as I'm, I'm now, I just turned 58 and this is really getting real now. So I, I had these on here because my sponsor looked at me because let me, Oh God, I'm Ralph. I haven't even gotten into six and seven, but here's the thing. This. My body, my face, my my sexuality was the only commodity I had to trade. And everything was a transaction. And my sponsor said to me in the middle of this, looked at me and said, what's going to happen when Judith is no longer cute? And that was like a knife in my heart because I looked inside and I saw there's nothing in there. There's nothing in there. And I better get busy because it's going to happen. So now it's happening and I really need to pay attention to the next two. And it's like, I will, uh, I said, I will spend as much time, money and effort on my inner beauty and spiritual condition as I do on my outward beauty and physical condition. I will grow old gracefully with God because if I don't, you're going to see me acting out because I'm, I, I, you know, I forget who I am and whose I am meaning my higher power. Uh, I will value my friends, but treasure my partner. And I will protect my relationship from threats, both within and without. And then I just have a prayer that I pray every day. And it says, God, help me to love my partner in such a way so that he knows you love him. That keeps me busy for the rest of my life. That's an ideal that I can grow towards. All right, now, so I did all that, and I felt like crap for about a month after my fifth step. I didn't even get into fear, scrapping that for now. Um, but uh, I felt horrible because I saw for the first time, oh, my gosh, this is not, I'm not successful in managing my own life, and this has got to change, and it's got to change now. Um so then I rolled into um, uh, step uh, six and seven. And here's the thing. Uh, I always wanted life in high definition. You know, before when I was drinking and after I want it. And step six and seven begin to bring my life into high def, you know, surround sound, 81 inch screen, Technicolor, high def. I'm not satisfied with the little 13 inch black and white fuzzy screen i want high def and after doing steps four and five it was no longer a matter of me needing more information not at all i knew what was blocking me now what it came it because it came down to me i'm blocking me even though i don't think so until after i see this 
I could see after form five what my current state of brokenness is, was, you know, the, the, the noisy, um, worldly clamors that those voices, you know, my over dependence on people selling my identity to the judges of this world, hustling for worthiness. I had a um, desperate need for affirmation, acceptance, approval. I had the self-centered fear and self-created delusions. All of that, I could see it very clearly from step four and five, doing my fifth step. I didn't need more information. I needed awareness and I needed a new set of action rather than my old tools of living that I've been doing. But the first difficulty is, is that I still want to manage and cling because if I don't, who's going to take care of me? And I still have this real tentative relationship with a higher power. And, uh, oh my gosh, you know, if I do this spiritual way of life, maybe I'll end up having to be a nun. I'll never get laid again. And my sponsor said, don't worry about that. They wouldn't take you. So don't, you're not going to be a nun. Don't worry. Right. But I still want, and it's just so difficult to remove this thinking that I always have of I'll be happy when, and you can put anything after when I'll be happy when I graduate. I'll be happy when I get that job. I'll be happy when I get that promotion. I'll be happy when I get him. Then I'll be happy when I get rid of him and I get him. I'll be happy when. And the thing is, is I'm never present in my life. I'm always out there and it's always external and it's always something. And I get many of my wins and I may be happy for a very short time, but then the shine wears off and I'm like, Oh, I made a mistake again. That wasn't it. So I have this thing and I'm, I'm under the impression that my problems are my problems. <laughs> Let me explain. I think money, I think, I think. Uh, if I have a money problem, it has to do with money. You get what I'm saying? If I have a work problem, it has to do with work or a relationship problem it has to do with that person. I am always identifying the symptom, but never the cause. And six and seven get me to start raising my awareness and it becomes more in 10 and 11 and all of that. But the second difficulty is, is that um, I uh, I don't know what truly a uh, um, character defect. Um, uh, what I don't know what is a character defect that needs to be removed, and what may just need to be transformed. If that makes any sense. Because when I'm running my life, the majority of my personality is a character defect. I'm one big bundle of character defects, right? However, when I stop being Judas-centered and I go to God or higher power or the divine or whatever you want to call it, centered, those things in my personality don't get removed. We don't come out of here like little AA robots, like we're all the same. We like all the same things and we all have the same talents and we all, and we're just like little robots. It's not that at all. It's that, um, we get to be the best us that we can be. And so I think that stubbornness in my personality, I'm really stubborn. 
And when Judith is running the show, I am willing to go to any lengths to get what I want. And I am stubborn and I will plow over anyone and everyone. That's a character defect, except when I'm God centered, that character defect gets transformed. And now I have, um, tenacity. I, I, I am a force for good. When I am God centered, I get things done that other people don't do. And I'm not bragging. That's just because I'm not taking credit for that. That's my higher power. That's it. But when I'm God centered, these things in my personality that were put there for a reason gets to be used in this world. I just, I just get so excited. I get to be of use in this world and my personality gets to come out and play. I get to be all I was created to be. So six and seven, it boils down, um, you know, to self and, and ego. And am I still clinging to my way? My sponsor never had me list the character defects because, like I said, the ones that really cause me problems are the ones that my ego is going to hide in the shadows. If Self doesn't remove self. I can't go in there and decide, okay, yeah, it's this, 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 get rid of this. I kind of like that. Self won't remove self. Why would it? I, if I could have fixed me, I would have decades ago, but that's not what happens. All right. So, oh, like 10 minutes. I'll tell you one of the biggest things that I find in step six and seven and how I'm clinging and my ego just, oh my gosh, we've heard so many great things today about my need to be right. Uh, my sponsor said, your need to be right is going to kill you. You know, because I don't know what I was so afraid of, you know, but whatever. But, um, my ego. Self, self, I call it self ego, whatever. But, and some of you have heard me share on this because I, I just think it, it describes me so well. The default of my ego, maybe yours if you can relate to it, but the default position of my ego is empty, painful, fragile, and busy. And I don't have time to go into all of those, but they're so, so me. <laughs> they're so busy. Like, what are y'all thinking? Uh, you know, do y'all think I'm an idiot? And what's Ralph wondering? You know, oh my God, she didn't get to six and seven as much as I wanted. You know, busy, busy. There's always these thoughts and stuff, you know, and fragile and empty, right? That, that But I want to, um, painful seems to be the real interesting one for me because let me put it this way. This is the example I like to use. Did anyone, anyone wake up this morning and say, oh my gosh, Good morning, Mr. Elbow. You are working fabulously today. You're operating just like you're supposed to. No, we don't notice anything on our bodies that are working well. Or, or did you wake up and, and say hi to your toes and thank you so much for you. You're working so well. I don't notice my toes unless I catch them on the corner of something at night. You know, then I notice my toes. I don't notice my elbow unless it's hurting. You know, like, I don't know. People get tennis elbow or golfing elbow. I don't know. I don't do any of that, but I don't notice it. So here's the thing. Our bodies don't call attention to itself unless there's something not working unless it's painful. How painful must my ego be? Because it is constantly calling attention to itself. It's like, how am I looking? 
How am I being treated? Am I going to have fun? Am I going to be included? What are they thinking about me? You know, um, my, I need more affection. I need more validation. I need more approval. You need to make sure I feel safe. I, this is, this isn't a real safe space for me, you know, or you're responsible for my feelings. I used to say all the time that, uh, my feelings are hurt. And my sponsor would say, your feelings aren't hurt. Your feelings are fine. Your ego is offended. That's the problem, right? And it's so true. So. I have seven minutes to wrap up so much on six and seven. <sighs> um, all right. So that's me, my ego, painful, fragile, busy, and um, empty. And what do I do about it? Um, I need to surrender. Step six and seven are all about willingness to be surrender, uh, to, to stop clinging. And I really get a little bit, uh, firm with my sponsees who use this. Well, I'm praying to be willing to be willing or something like that as though willing is a feeling. I've been taught that willingness not married with action is a fantasy and an intention. I've lived in my my whole life of intentions. I meant to, I was going to, I thought about it. Uh, I could have, should have, would have, whatever, but I never actually do it. And what am I doing? And if I say I'm willing, sure, I'm willing, or I'm willing to be willing. Okay, fine. What baby action steps are you taking to move in that direction? To be, to stop clinging to whatever it may be. Um, it's a process. I love, uh, one of my very favorite people, um, a lot of my favorite people are on here <laughs> and I do have heroes in AA. Sorry, Ralph, Bill, and a bunch of you other Teresa, all of you. Um, Leslie and Amy and, um, Polly. Oh my gosh. And Kent. Um, uh, I, uh, what did I, I just, oh yeah, but my, one of my other favorite, one of my other heroes is, um, Bob B from Minneapolis. I just, I just really love listening to him. And he said something once, um, he said, we, uh, we can starve to death. Oh man, I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> we can starve to death. While staring at a menu or something like that. Now it's gone out of my head because I'm trying to get done. But the thing is, is we can have everything right in front of us and still starve to death, right? At a buffet. I don't know. Bob's, uh, don't tell Bob I screwed up his wonderful quote here. Um, but we have all the tools, all the tools. We just need to take action. You know, I'm willing. Well, what action steps am I taking to do it? So, um, uh, what else do, um, six and that's, that's what I do. I start taking action in six and seven. Um, there's some things that I'm conflicted about. I say I want it. And yet, uh, there's a big part of me that still finds it useful. And I need to be honest about that part as well. Uh, what am, what am I, um, still clinging to? 
And uh, do I want the healing that is available to me? For me, six and seven have become like the spiritual step ones for the rest of my life. Uh, it's something I go back to over and over and over and over. Uh, if I'm struggling with something, if I'm resentful or if I'm afraid, what story am I still carrying? Uh, that, that is, um, the root of it. Like I said, I can always be distracted by taking care of the symptoms, but I'm not getting under into the cause. I, I don't want to play whack-a-mole my entire life. If you're familiar with that game at the carnival, um, you know, I can be just whacking them as they, they pop up, but I want to get underneath it. And so I need to raise my consciousness in six and seven. I find six and seven to be absolutely amazing and vital uh, into my life. I used to think they were throwaway steps, um, just like two paragraphs. Oh, say the prayer and we're done. Move on. Check, check. Nothing big deal. Uh, but they are vital. And to me, they're the linchpin of my growth in AA. They, they, they really are. Uh, they give me the ability to look honestly at my life and to examine the stories that are underneath my behavior and my resentments and my fear and my conduct. Um, they, they, um, oh, they make me healthier and, and a nicer person to be around. And I can tell you, I'll end with this because I know my time is up. Uh, they actually do, along with all the others. But this is, like I said, the linchpin for me. And I keep going back to them. But six and seven is where I begin to get life in high definition. Uh, so thank you so much for letting me share. And uh, I appreciate you all. Thank you.